This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into another edition of Inside Carolina's Own the Beat. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. That's John Bowman, the man, the the number one new beat writer for Inside Carolina. I guess you're not new anymore. It's been what three months now? Four? No, you started in April, Jeremiah. Back in so, April, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so seasoned veteran that is Jeremiah Holloway, waiting on Adam Smith to join us. But I, I'll get right into it, uh, Jeremiah. It's been an interesting week thus far. Um, we're going to split the show. Talk football on the front end, basketball on the back end. But I thought it was some interesting discussion with the players today. You guys had Drake and Cedric. It's kind of interesting to see the different dynamics between, say, a Corey Gaynor and a Cedric Gray. Cedric very low-key, chilled out, <laughs> um, talked about his experience and all. Corey Gaynor's just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not talking about it now. There'll be plenty of time to do that. It's just wild, the different dynamics between guys on teams it's what makes college football cool isn't it mm. yeah absolutely man um i'll start with cedric gray i mean first of all you know Corey. anytime we get to talk to Corey, man you know it's usually you know two or three highlights you know that just kind of come across i know he was talking a lot about the uh you know the sweat on his uh on his sweatshirt uh and, and things like that it got interesting in there it really did um i'll start with such a great um i think when you look at him he's a player that really is gonna start and finish that career at unc you know traditional kind of you know four years in and out um you know really had you know developed his game all under you know really that Mac Brown coaching staff and everything. And he really kind of comes into the season or came into the season from a place of this is it. This is the last year. Um, a lot's been made about the fact that like, you know, he could have left last season, but he decided to, you know, end up staying and try to uh, increase his draft stock and things like that. So I think he comes at it with a, you know, a different perspective. Like he really like knowing this is his last ride and everything else. But then you get a guy like Corey, Played for a while at Miami, really had the two years at UNC. Now, don't get me wrong. He definitely, uh, you know, made a name for himself at UNC, and he's really, you know, ingrained in, into what they're doing. But I think he's just obviously been around the block a lot and just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, he's he's been there. He, I mean, when you talk about senior day, he was like, I mean, I can't avoid it because this is literally it. Like, I can't, I can't go back if I wanted to. Um, so I think uh, they come at it with, um, you know, both ends of the spectrum. One guy that's a traditional four-year guy that started and finished at North Carolina and the other one that – but I thought it was interesting how Corey was saying that UNC really revitalized uh, his career or, you know, kind of gave him that fresh start. 
Um, obviously, the teams that he's been on, one team that won nine games. We'll see what this team does. You know, the season's far from over for, uh, you know, for this team. We'll see exactly where they end up. And then as far as, you know, just real quick to touch on Drake May and uh, what's going on, Adam, as he joins, uh, you know, but real quick to just kind of touch on Drake and, uh, and DJ Jones, um, you know, Drake has said that, you know, he hasn't really made that decision as far as, you know, coming back or whatever. And he decided either way just to kind of reserve things for the seniors and, uh, you know, DJ Jones. Um, I'm think. I mean, it's possible for DJ Jones to go ahead and just go through the senior day stuff. Um, he said he plans on returning. He's in grad school right now. Um, but he can go through the senior day stuff and, uh, you know, and still come back. Some of the guys in South Carolina, when I was over there last year, kind of had a similar thing, you know, like someone like a DeCarrion Joiner that's like a six-year senior. I think he walked after his fourth year, but then the last two years, just kind of, you know, whatever. Uh, so it's interesting how different guys choose to do it. But, yes, yeah, I think uh, Cedric and, and Corey, very interesting, you know, kind of hearing from them and uh, their perspectives on their uh, kind of last ride uh, in college. This time uh, of year, we get the – most interesting graphic for the UNC football diehards, which is the who's going to walk on senior day graphic. It, it changes a lot too. If you remember last year, Ed Montalus, uh, he said he was going to step away from football. He's been back and he's played an entire season. So this first graphic that will come out this week that says, here's who is walking for senior day. It's sort of your first look at what the roster could look like next season. Um, but there's a lot of movement, as Jeremiah was saying, with someone as high up on the roster as, as Drake May. But, you know, I want to know if Jake Harkelrod is coming back for a, a sixth year. I want to get all the way into the details. Uh, so that's why I said it's a, an exciting time if you're really into roster management uh, this time of year. Well, I, I will say this. As a guy that's been out of college for a long time, this is 30-year reunion weekend coming up. Whoa. I would stay in college Whoa as long as possible unless you're going to make millions of dollars like a certain quarterback probably will i'm staying in college and, and i'm as long as they will allow me to stay in college i'd be there so i'd be i'd be the 25 year old cormac ryan uh, <laughs> guy that we'll, t we'll talk about the basketball side but i'd be that guy Tommy, you never left come on i, mean, I know you're, really you're mr Ta college you're a van wilder type I walk around campus um, when I come to see you guys and Mac and all them on Monday, and I walk through campus like, man, this hadn't changed much. All, all the people, they're not getting – they're all getting younger. In reality, they're all staying the same age. But, uh, Adam, just – we were talking about the difference in Corey Gaynor's approach, Cedric Gray's approach. Um, you know, the elephant in the room that's not really an elephant in the room is, is Drake throwing out the you never know. But I think that's just him. He's deferring to everybody else rather than he knows if he walked on senior day, it'd be all about Drake this and Drake that. And he's doing what he's always done and deferred. And I think that's pretty cool when you've got a star quarterback that's able to do that. And I think that, yes, I agree with you, Tommy. And I think that also with Drake is he's smart enough to know. I mean, he's no dummy. Uh, even though he, he loves to goof off, but you know, he's a smart dude, obviously. He, he, he knows that if he happened to say today when we were talking to him, you know, yeah, this is going to be my final home game. Um, you know, I am going to go to the NFL draft, like that it just all becomes, you know, that the world we live in and the jobs that we have to do, that's it would just take over everything, you know, you know, breaking, breaking. <laughs> Drake May to the NFL, you know, like, um, I have to say about nudge. I know Jeremiah gets tired of me nudging him. I nudge him all the time, but, um, I almost nudged you today, Jeremiah, because Cedric Gray was talking about how, you know, he wants to make the most of these last three games. And I was like, so Cedric not playing in the bowl game then? Cause there's four games left. Uh, now that could just be me, you know, I don't know. He said three. They got at least four left. Um, anyway, but yes, like, um, yeah, I thought Drake, Drake, Drake is gonna forever be beloved, just like Luke May is, just like Mark May is, and it's. I just think it's interesting how the May mind works uh, about how just a couple couple words into his first answer. I think I counted it up right in the story today. I was just curious. I think we asked him eight 
different questions about, you know, that topic. Could this be your final home game? What's your NFL future like? That type of thing. And just the, the, the way the May mind works, one of the first things he said was he was thinking about Luke May's senior night when he gave the senior speech in the Dean Dome, you know, and he calls it the Dean Dome, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he realizes uh, what, the attention it would command. But I think Mac makes a good point, not to cape for Mac here, but I think he makes a good point that it would be nice to have a moment where he could say goodbye. And people could say thank you. You know, I'm sure there'll be there'll be something like that at some point. Maybe after his career is over, Sam Howell was back what a couple weeks ago, got the Patterson medal. But uh, I, I tend to agree with Mac that it would be nice to be like, you know, just to have that. Um, but you know, I, you you certainly see where Drake's coming from, and he's the ultimate team guy. Sam's been around a lot too. I mean. Sam, you know, the way their schedules worked out, he's been at multiple games, was at App last year and all that, and you're right about the Patterson thing. I think it, it is interesting, though, is that some guys want the glory and, and want the recognition. Yeah. And a large majority of these guys that North Carolina fans consider, you know, greats and heroes, they don't. They just want to sit in the background and let what they've done on the field sort of speak for themselves. Somebody in the chat said, if Carolina goes over for the next three, maybe Drake will come back. Yeah. Um, just like Mac said Monday, go back and listen to Mac. Mac said, I'm telling my son to go. And and I said this last year in, in these podcasts that if the quarterback was had my last name last year and all these big programs were offering millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and folks know what I think about North Carolina and, and what my family's got invested. We'd have been rolling into crimson and cream down there in uh, Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Jeremiah, what'd you take away from Monday's press conference with the coaches? Um, let's start with Chiswick. Everybody loves Gene Chiswick. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't hear a lot of answers there um, other than the, the normal coach speak. But let's get real. Duke's going to run the football, and they're going to try to run the football, and they're going to try to run the football more. And then they're going to throw it with this kid who I think is better than people are thinking because I haven't seen him. Um, what did you take away from those pressers, if anything, Jeremiah? Um, I think for that right there, it's it's really just a matter of how do you kind of get back into – and there were some questions about it – just kind of getting back into the flow of ACC play. Um, I think with them – playing Campbell, playing an FCS opponent. The main thing that I took away from the Campbell game specifically was, you know, how the depth looked, you know, when they were able to get in. You you pretty much expect for the offense and defense to do what they did, and they eventually got there and did it. So I think kind of talking to them on Monday, it's kind of like recalibrating toward, you know, getting back to, you know, ACC play and things like that. I think as they talk about Duke, um, they, they know what the game plan is going to be. Like, it's very much going to be, run the football and, and just attack UNC that way. The last few times that UNC's played uh, ACC competition, it hasn't gone well against the run. Um, you know, Campbell, Campbell, that's a game right there where it's like, okay, can you execute? Can you be in the right spots? I know Gene Chizik was talking about um, wanting to get better at, you know, tempo and kind of getting lined up and all that and defending against, uh, you know, offenses. Um, in that way. So, you know, it's it's interesting, like Campbell's a team where you would, you know, pretty much expect to, you know, to kind of get those stops. But what is what can you kind of translate from that Campbell game into a team like Duke that, you know, has had success, you know, running the, and at the very at the very least has you know formed an identity, uh, you know, trying to kind of run the football, especially with the way that the quarterback situation uh, has been. So, I mean, it's a team. And then also, well, if I can, you know, kind of talk about Chip as well, just real quick, um, you know, I mean, he understands the caliber of that Duke defense that's over there too. Um, I thought it was interesting, the Duke defense statistically, I'm just saying statistically, they're actually better against the pass than they are the run. They're like third against the pass and like seven, eight against the run, something like that. But I mean, obviously, you know, they have guys up front for sure. So, um, you know, it's definitely going to be a trench battle. And it sounds like they know that. Um, but I think what they're really going to have to do coaching staff and players wise is just you're getting back into ACC play. You know, you got, these are the types of teams that you're going to have to be able to stop, um, you know, in order to 
find some sort of way to get on this three-game win streak and, you know, maybe backdoor your way into a ACC championship appearance. John Bowman, get in here with your, uh, you know, your hot takes, your great stats, and your great questions. What do you think about this week's press conferences? Uh, I mean, you pay attention, you watch. Um, you know, some days there's a lot said. Some days there's not a lot said. Some days there's plenty said that's not said, if you know what I mean. But, John, what do you think? I think there's a lot of anticipation. There's, like, not much else you can say. Everyone knows that this upcoming three-game stretch against Duke, Clemson, and NC State is really going to write the story of the season. These yeah. three teams that UNC is about to play are the three best defenses that they've played all season long. Uh, they are, you know, we, we've talked about already tonight, you know, quarterback uh, deficiencies, but they're all three, you know, good, solid running teams. Uh, so there's going to present a lot of challenges for UNC uh, throughout the season. So it's kind of, I feel like a little bit of uh, all the talking that can be done has been done at this point. It's time to just sort of see what this team has on the field. There's, there are going to be three very challenging tests uh, to, to close out the season. And I think I kind of got the sense of that uh, in, in the press conference. Mac Brown has talked about for a long time now, this tough close to the season. Uh, but that close is, is even tougher now because UNC has two bad losses next to its name uh, on the schedule. So you can't afford really in terms of positive momentum for the program and for the team uh, this season, you really can't afford uh, to have a poor performance um, and I think that starts this weekend at Duke. It kind of sets the tone for this last three-game stretch of the season. I find it interesting, the different approaches or the different takes on the season. Jack in the chat. Um, and I'm going to disagree with you. the first part that you say, Jack. We crucify our team more than any other fan base does its own team. That's no. You, you know, in reality, two plays away from being 9-0, and absolutely you, you can frame it that way, but have you been to other message boards? Have you been to Ohio State's message boards when they're dominant most of the time? Have you been to others? North Carolina fans are no different than any others. Maybe the expectations are a little higher than they should be sometimes, but no, fan bases are all. And, and Adam, it, it's not really Carolina-related, but what do we think about MJ Morris deciding to redshirt down in Raleigh? Dude. I mean, it's one thing to do it when you're like fifth on the depth chart <laughs> and you're you're fair catching kicks. Um, it's another to do it when you are the starting quarterback. What, what the hell's the going on over there? Like, uh, I mean, damn. Like, I'm cussing over here. Uh, <laughs> it's like that's at least twice that, uh, you know, we've been doing UNC football uh, interview type stuff on a Monday or Tuesday. I'm thinking back to a couple weeks ago. I remember we were wrapping up. Pretty sure it was Monday because because I know Doran talks on Mondays. And uh, our our friend, the esteemed Aaron Beard of the Associated Press, told us we were like packing up, like uh, they're benching Brennan Armstrong and going to MJ Morris. Doran just announced it, and I was like, dang. <laughs> well, okay, so you got him out of the transfer portal, and now you're gonna bench him, and you told MJ Morris you're gonna redshirt him, and now you're pulling the redshirt off, like. You know, I just remember being like, whoo, yeah. you know, uh, and obviously that was a move that worked out pretty well for, for NC State. I mean, I know, I know I personally think Brendan Armstrong's a good player. I don't know what happened to the guy because he had a terrible year last year at UVA and he had a bad start this year at State. But um, it did work out. And then, yeah, today <laughs> we were wrapping up the player stuff and it's like uh, Evan, intern Evan messaged me. And he's like, there's some rumors that. MJ Morris is going to redshirt and he might say bye. And sure enough, about 10, 15 minutes later, it was, you know, everywhere. Um, intern Evan with his ear, ear to the ground uh, over in Rollywood. But uh, yeah. Hey, um, how, do, I don't know. I mean, we're not here to talk about NC state. I, uh, the last thing I would say is how do you, I guess there's no way you can say uh, I'm redshirting. I'm not going to play the final three games of the season and stay, right? You can't, you cannot, know. you cannot do that. I know they, I think the word was, you know, you're not necessarily transfer. I don't say how in the world you can say, I'm not playing with you guys and then be like, yep, I'm back. You, you can't do that, right? That's, I'm, 
I'm gonna sit over here and watch. I'm hmm. gonna I'm gonna watch you guys. And the last that's the thing. And the reason I brought that up is everybody thinks, um, you know, you're in the bubble of being a North Carolina fan or, or somebody that follows North Carolina religiously and think it's all it's only happens at Carolina, right? It only happens. Um, or, or Carolina is more critical, or, or whatever. It, it's nuts across the college landscape. Yeah. And uh, but for your starting quarterback and your starting running back, even though Jordan Houston, I know, had lost some things to to decide the red shirt. Just just absolutely nuts. A little bit um, different than George Petaway and Elijah Green redshirting when they're third, uh, fourth on the or fourth and fifth on the depth chart, wherever they were. Just slightly just, different. Yeah, just like I mean, it is. You know, everybody talks about some NC State stuff. That's some NC State stuff over there. But I've been saying for two or three weeks now that it's not going to matter the Saturday after Thanksgiving because NC State's going to run the Wildcat with Brennan Armstrong all night. And uh, now that's pretty much guaranteed to happen. He's had success against UNC. He knows how to do it the last two years. Absolutely. Jeremiah, anything else from this week on the football side that you sort of took away um, – you know, I asked Mac about the chippiness factor on Monday. These games, especially Duke, are, it's always chippy. And, and Mac went to his – and he's – I will give him this aspect of his complaint about the schedule. It's not that these teams are the greatest teams in the world, back to back to back. But I'll give him the fact that you're playing against rivals that you hate and they don't like you, and it's going to be chippy and that emotion every week. I think that's a valid argument there. Um, but anything you you took away that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think it was kind of interesting, um, you know, being back at South Carolina, you know, back in January. I didn't even realize it was January. I literally had to look it up when I was doing my story today. I forgot when they had announced the schedule, but I do remember uh, kind of seeing on UNC Twitter or maybe some group chats Matt Brown complains about the schedule and stuff. And so I will be honest and transparent. Like, I did not agree with the complaints. I was, I mean, I looked at it. And I'm like, you don't leave the state. You only leave the state, what, three times? And, you know, you play at home how many ever times? Um, I will say that the last stretch is certainly rough, right? I mean, you look at the first nine games, it's like, all right, like, you pop a Miami in there, Um Maybe we thought Minnesota would be a little bit better, but there, you know, that even there, you know, it's, it's pretty spaced out. Um, and then everybody else is really teams that you're better than. But some teams play you tough, obviously, right? Like a Georgia Tech. Um, and obviously they ended up uh, getting that win. But what I will say is just kind of, you know, going down that last stretch, uh, two of those games are going to be in like very hostile environments. So um, I think a win against Duke, would actually go a long way for UNC just in their preparation of, okay, you beat a team that plays physical, that has a really good defense. Can you take that and go into, you know, obviously Death Valley, which is a very difficult place to play. Um, they obviously just beat a top team down there. Um, but I think the Duke game is like, you know, a good, a good warm-up for a North Carolina team that is uh, in the college football rankings now. They are, <laughs> they are the 24th team in the uh in the cfp uh so it'll be interesting to see like i mean you know they're not gonna get but so much higher than that but i mean i don't know i will say like up top like that landscape is pretty wide open i don't think there's anybody that's like unbeatable you know in that top five uh well not among the teams that uh follow the rules so um we'll see how that uh kind of plays out but um you know it's gonna be interesting final three games i'll say that that was a low-key Control there. I'm gonna be interested to see how Michigan does without uh Connor Connor Mustang on the sidelines, Connor Stallions on the sidelines <laughs> shouting out the plays. Anyway, John, let's get into some rapid fire. Yeah, we've got some great questions in the chat. I want to give a shout out to Sean Crowley and, and Slagle in the chat as well. Our loyal uh, listeners are there every show. I'm gonna hit a few of these questions. If you have a question as well, be sure to post it in the chat pod. This one's for Tommy to start with from Garrett Chapman. Keys to keeping the bell Saturday. Any uh, jump out for you, Tommy? Don't turn it over and tackle. I mean, I think that's what it is. You cannot have a bunch of missed tackles. I think North Carolina was in the single digits when they were 6-0, and and then they got up in the double digits in those two games they lost, and I have no idea what they did against Campbell. But you got to be clean with the ball. Um, I'm not a big jinx person, but they've been pretty clean thus far this year. Uh, and you've got to stay that way, and you also got to tackle in space. Uh, they're, 
Duke's going to run plays, and if, if folks have watched uh, Jason Staples' film breakdowns and all, Duke's going to run plays to make guys make plays in space, and I think North Carolina's secondary is going to have to get it done, and those defensive tackles are going to have to do something uh, against Duke. So those are my two keys. Don't give it away and tackle the ball. This one is from Randy M. It's for Adam. He asks, can we get Amarian to 1,500 yards and – 20 touchdowns by season end sounds like Randy might have a parlay or something that he needs to hit. But uh, Adam, do you think those stats are relevant for Amarian or do you have any other stats on uh, UNC's running back? Is that Randy Marion, the car King down in the Lake Norman area? That's um, I know some people down in the Mooresville area. That's um, that's how about the friends there now. Yeah. Adam, yeah. Randy Marion has like an auto empire uh, down there. <laughs> uh, you know, well, Randy, yes, yes, UNC can get Omarion Hampton to 1,500 yards because that's what he's on pace for. Uh, we've, we've crunched the numbers the other day, um, and if he continues at his current pace, he would be, I think it's 1,530 or 1,539, he would end the season, and that's with four more games. I did not include, you know, an ACC championship game in there because I think that's unlikely. Um but four more games at the pace he's 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 going, he would be over fifteen hundred. And by the way, here's a throwback for you, uh, TA. That would be the second best rushing season in UNC football history if he's able to do that. Second only to to Don McCauley in nineteen seventy. Um, so what? How many years has it been since seventy? Fifty three. So like this be the yeah best rushing season. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think when you have Drake May and Tez Walker. Uh, and Nate McCollum and Bryson Nesbitt, I know Nate hasn't played well lately, but that you could still end up with, you know, the second greatest rushing season in UNC football history. Um, so I'm not sure about the touchdowns. I should have figured that up, but um, I was looking at just now the last four games for Amari and Hampton, 87 carries, 606 yards, 6.9 per carry. And, 87 carries the last two the last four games. He had 88 all of last season. So this guy has done a season's worth of work in the last four games for what he com- compared to what he did last year. Um, you know, I think the body maintenance is going to be key here. Although he is, you know, they call him Saquon Barkley. I mean, he is built like a you know a brick something house. I mean, he is he is jacked as we know, um, but. Yes, he can get to 1,500 if he stays at the pace he's on. And one could argue very strenuously that he should have significantly more carries than that in the last four games, especially yeah. after that Virginia game. I mean – 19 carries the Virginia game. Yeah. And he is uh, – what, what, how many has he got on the season? I had it up here. He's got uh, 175 carries on the season in nine games. So that's less than 20 a game. He certainly has the body and the physicality to, to handle more than that. But anyway, I digress again. Amarion, it is crazy to your point, Adam. It could potentially be the best running back season in 53 years, and you have those guys you mentioned. Speaks a lot to the offensive coordinator, I think. Go ahead, they didn't Joe. have the spread offense in 1970. No offense to 1970. You know, like, I mean, I wonder, you know, I, you always wonder where you should cut off modern history. You know what I mean? I mean, I know 1970s, not ancient times. Um, some of us were born in the 70s, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, a little bit later on in the decade. But, um, yeah, but I mean, they didn't, you know, they, back then, I mean, you know, you're just slam, you know, you're running the hell out of the ball. Um, so, yeah. Just, Martin, just for crazy. reference, just for reference sake, I just looked it up. Don, McCall- Don McCauley had 324 carries that year. Right. For for seventeen twenty five point three yards carry. Ike Oglesby five sixty two. So, you know, they you talking about clouds of dust, they did it. Uh Carolina Paul Miller, Carolina's quarterback, threw for only seven hundred and twenty eight yards that season. <laughs> Little bit different time, but still a heck of a record. Ray or Sam Howell, you know? That's two games. <laughs> I'm gonna hit here, on John. this question from jack real quick and then after this we'll get one more question before the uh ad break jack asks who is the qb for duke so we are looking at grayson loftus 
uh, starting this weekend. He is from Greer, South Carolina, uh, class of 2023, so a very young guy. Uh, for reference as well, he was ranked 880th in the 247 Sports Composites. So that gives you a sense of kind of where he sits, ranked higher than uh, UNC's commit for the class of 2024. And he's played meaningful snaps in one game so far this season against Wake last Thursday. He was 7 of 19 for 86 yards, 36.8% completion percentage, one touchdown, one interception. So you can look at that two ways. Uh, hasn't had a lot of success on the field, but Tommy, as you said too, not a lot of tape on him either. I want to give this last question to Jeremiah. This is from Slagle. Keys for Carolina's offense against Duke's physical defense. Yeah, shout out to Slagle as usual, uh, common supporter uh, of of the uh, of the podcast. Um, I'm always a proponent of you know feeding the beast. In this case, it's Marion Hampton and British Brooks has also kind of shown, uh, you know, kind of some more uh, comfortability back there as well. But uh, if Duke does start to find success against that running attack uh, or defending the running attack, um, I think UNC should continue to keep looking to, to Bryson Nesbitt. Um, I think he's somebody that uh, provides a solid mismatch. And like I said earlier, um, Duke is actually a little bit better against the pass than they are against the, uh, against the run. So it sounds like, you know, maybe you're feeding into Duke's strengths a little bit um, as, you know, talented as defense is, I mean, they, you know, they're well-rounded, but um, I think Bryson Nesbitt gives you kind of an extra dynamic, you know, being that tight end that can still, you know, move and still get open and things like that. Uh, really, he's been really good the last several weeks, especially with yards after the catch. Um, I think he's been able to just kind of get it and go in stride. Um, so, you know, obviously Tez Walker being back is huge for them. Um, you know, Nate McCollum, they're still monitoring him in practice and things like that. They managed to get the ball to different guys um, throughout the game last week. Um, we'll see if they even try to use some of those freshman guys as well, just to kind of give themselves more options. Uh, but I think Bryson Nesbitt actually could play a big factor in this game. I think he's somebody that uh, UNC should probably look to, uh, to get involved against Duke. We're going to take a second here to talk about our sponsor of this show and every single show on the Inside Carolina Podcast Network. That is Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Temperature is going to be dipping into the 50s. Not that I'm a weatherman, but that's what I've heard uh, this weekend against Duke. Uh, so if you need a jacket, something to keep you warm during the 8 o'clock kick this weekend, you can stop by uh, Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street, or you can head on over to their website, look at all the selection there. And Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get a 10% discount uh, when checking out. So be sure to leverage that as well. We appreciate Johnny T-Shirt for supporting our podcast. In turn, we ask uh, that you help them out and visit their short store and, and send your business their way. We're going to take a break here, 932 Eastern. Uh, and after the break, we're going to come back and talk about some UNC basketball. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
All right, folks, we are back. It is on the beat live. I was trying to look up Chapel Hill weather since John <laughs> was turning into a weatherman. Uh, Saturday, mostly cloudy, 11% chance of rain, 60 in the day, 38. Um, come see us in the Bowls Light. Jeremiah will be down there. Bowls Light, 5 to 7, in the dark. So if you have a if you have a light, uh, yeah, if you if you have some uh, portable generator lights, bring them out. We might need them, or we'll be doing the show under the LC tent with candles. Uh, it's basketball talk, folks. Get some questions in the chat for the basketball team, Adam. I'll come to you first since you're the elder statesman here. Um, I thought it was an interesting game that North Carolina played last night. Uh, you know they. Obviously, winning the game is number one, and they ultimately did that. But it was interesting to see the different lineups and Hubert Davis really getting a ton of players in. I said it to Dewey on the day after. It felt like a Roy Williams, or on the post game, it felt like a Roy Williams-type early season game where I'm going to play a bunch of different combinations and see what it looks like. I thought that was good to see. Yeah, and I think uh, I was reading something today about sort of the um, t- the total minutes. Like I think Cormac Ryan was the only guy. I need to call up the box score. I think Cormac Ryan was the only guy who went over thirty minutes uh, last night, and um, uh, it was oh, it was it was a comparison to, to <laughs> the season opener last year against UNCW, and uh, you know I think four or five guys were over thirty-two minutes last year in the season opener against UNCW. Uh, number one UNC last year, um, you know a little bit of a slog against UNCW that night. I remember. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I think, I mean, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I, 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 I believe what I wrote last night was that, you know, it wasn't like the most show stopping debut. I was thinking about the curtain going up for some reason, since this was like a new cast of characters. I don't know why in the heck that was on my mind, but that's what was rattling around my bald head. So, you know, I, I don't think it was, I didn't think it was the most show stopping thing, but I thought it was a starting point that you can sort of take somewhere. You know, I, I, I thought offensively, I thought there was a lot to like. Now, defensively, I think there's some things you got to keep working on. Um, I don't think you want Armando Baycott switching all the time and being out there one-on-one with some 6'3 guard who's dancing on him. Um, but, you know, I'm not the coach. Um, but, you know, like, I mean, it was a fast start. You know, uh, what, they made their first five threes. You know, bang, bang, bang. I mean, they didn't miss. Five for five. I got the I got the yellow pad over here. It was uh, 13 points in the first three minutes. Uh, you know, it was like, you know, they, they win the jump ball. Uh, Paxson Wojcik uh, post lob, Armando Baycott dunk. You know, pretty nice, pretty nice first possession. But, yeah, and I noticed someone, I think someone said who who could be the X factor on this team. I, I hey, Jeremiah's going to slap me the next time I say it. I'm a Jalen Withers fan. I also think Harrison Ingram, which I know is not, uh, you know, the most wild declaration. I think Harrison Ingram and Jalen Withers are X-Factor type guys because I just think they can do so many different things. Um, You know, they've got – Carolina's got some pieces. I mean, a lot of people have been asking me, and, you know, I've said, I don't know if they can, you know, make the Final Four or the Sweet 16 or whatever, but I I think think this is going to be a good team. I think it's going to be – interesting seeing how this thing develops and uh my own personal take i think i think armando baycott and rj davis uh feel refreshed and needed sort of just a fresh start yeah armando said has said it you know he's it's a fresh start and that's what that's what they needed they needed to get the air cleared uh you know it's just too heavy um last season so i think there was a lot to like i I think there's a, a lot of work to do but i think there's a lot to like I, mean, I agree with everything you said there. And Jeremiah, I was reading your article earlier about the depth. I think if there's one thing, Adam mentioned the defense, and I think that's where the lack of maybe some lack of athleticism comes in a little bit mm-hmm. on the defensive end especially. Because I think on offense you can you can sort of scheme and run plays even if you're not the most athletic and, and have good offense. And Carolina's going to do that, I think. And they the got de- the ball movers too, Tommy. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't stick. Yeah. Yeah, there was there were no holes in the Smith Center floor <laughs> after the game first game. Which look, quite frankly, the last three years they have pounded the rock into the ground more than any team I can remember playing in Carolina Blue for a long, long time. 
that's not going to be the case to your point. They move it, they swing it. People are talking about Brady Manick, Cormac Ryan type player, but Jeremiah, that's the one issue I saw is maybe a little bit of lack of athleticism on the defensive end because Radford had some guys. I mean, Brian Antoine could play. I saw him play in high school, um, and I was glad he didn't go to Duke and ended up going to Villanova, and so you've got a guy like that. But what do you see overall from this team, be it a depth factor or skill factor, uh, that you really like watching in this first game? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say, man, I'm excited that we talk about basketball. Obviously, that's no, no nothing. I'm, that's not anything about the Jeremiah football Jeremiah is a basketball firster guy. There you go. For sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the football team, but I think it's good to just kind of get something else uh, to talk about, man. Um, I think this is a team that, and I, I said it a little bit when we kind of had the, uh, you know, kind of on the beat after the the media day. Um, but I'm going to bring it up again because it was our first time really getting to see them in game action. Um, it's a team that um, is – this is probably the first team in the Hubert Davis era that's, like, exactly, like, how he wants it. It's, like, exactly what how he wants it to um, to look. I know RJ and uh, Baycott obviously played under Roy Williams, but, I mean – Outside of that, I mean, these are, these are all guys that he recruited and all guys that he brought in uh, from the transfer portal. And so I think from an offensive standpoint, um, and really defense too, but I think I was looking at just the different lineup combinations that they wanted to put out there. Um, I think it's significant and not necessarily unexpected. Um, they always had R.J. Davis or and or Elliot Cadeau on the court um, at the same time. So those are really going to be, you know, the two main guys. I think we were, I mean, me and Adam, we were kind of playing around with different ideas. Grant Hughes had us doing something on the different uh, lineups. So just to kind of play around with it, I did something. Hey, what if Harrison Ingram takes on the point forward and he plays point guard some lineups? Maybe he could. I don't know. It's really going to depend. I know it's one game and we don't want to overreact. But um, one thing that I thought was interesting and Adam bringing up Zayden High, I'm not Zayden High, Jalen Withers made me think about it. Um, it's going to be a four-out offense probably no matter, like, who's going to be in there because Zayden High was in at the four um, when I was kind of taking down the lineups. Zayden High played the four pretty much every time because he either shared the court with Baycott or he shared the court with uh, Jalen Washington. And there were a lot of times where Zayden High was out there on the perimeter, and he's not necessarily, uh, based on the, you know, the evidence we have, you know, a guy that uh, is, is, is going to be, like, a big, you know, shooter for them. Uh, but when Jalen Withers was in there, Jalen Withers, obviously, he was the stretch for it. He didn't shoot any threes, but he kind of, you know, spaced the floor out and allowed room for Baycott and Washington to kind of do what they were doing. And both of them had, obviously, really efficient games. So um, I think this is a team that, you know, kind of to Adam's point, I mean, there's just, there's just a lot more spacing. Um, I think the way that Elliott Cadeau can move the ball around, like, I really do think Cadeau is going to be a – big contributor for them um i know he's obviously a young guy and you know he's going to make his share of mistakes but just the way that he can move the ball and his willingness to do so um i think that's actually going to go a long way once he starts to put um everything together so um we'll see like how good and how far the team can can really go i do think it's a much better team um not even the talent necessarily um that which i mean there's plenty of talent but it's 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 not just the talent. It's just like the way the pieces fit together. I think it was a well-constructed roster. Um, and so we'll see, you know, exactly where the team goes. But, I mean, so far it seems like uh, there's a, a high level of connectivity there. I like what Greg said as well. This observation about Cormac Ryan. Uh, Greg writes, Ryan seems to be like, why is nobody talking? Guess I'll do it. Uh, I picked up on a few things with, with Ryan and honestly with a lot of the new players, it seems like they had a lot of good body language, good energy in, in the first game of the season. Um, in one of the preseason press conferences, uh, Armando Baycott relayed the story of Brady Manick playing that role of kind of getting the team fired up, kicking a few chairs. Um, I think that that is a needed uh, kind of, element of a team the team chemistry maybe that's something that rj davis and armando baycott the two team leaders maybe aren't always supplying in terms of the team chemistry soup uh, so if cormac ryan is able to bring that to the table a little bit uh, be that ingredient be that senior leader on the team 
Um, I, I think that's, you know, much needed for UNC. I mean, even in a game like last night, right, where it was close at times in the second half, uh, there was no panic at all from, from UNC. There was nobody rushing to take a quick three or, you know, kind of trying to do it all themselves. Um, so that was one early thing I picked up on kind of building off what Greg said in the chat. Uh, good leadership sort of in the first glance from Cormac Ryan and, and just a lot of good energy from some of the newcomers to the team. Yeah, and, and one thing about it, and people have mentioned it in the chat, and, and Adam, you can comment on this. Carolina had 18 assists last night. Uh, only four times last year they have more than 18 assists all year. And I think that's a tale there. you got to share the basketball to to have a successful um, season. And, and North Carolina had done that over the years, and this is the last couple of years again. The ball stuck, and they didn't share it as much. So – Adam, that is one thing. And to your point, they've got ball movers. I like – I'll go ahead and say it. I like Paxson Wojcik in the starting lineup. I, I do too. It, I think it gives you options off the bench that you've got to have. You don't want to come out and shoot all your bullets in the first four minutes and don't have anything to go to. Um, but just sharing the basketball was nice. You referenced the first play of the game. But it was pretty much a consistent thing throughout. And I think Radford had five assists. They did, uh, yeah. And – as long as you're making shots like Radford was doing early, you can do that. But can you make them for 40 minutes? I think it's much easier when you're sharing it to make those baskets. But, Adam, I, I really like that portion that I saw from North Carolina. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. Wojcik is – Paxson has said a couple times this preseason that Hubert has got on them for overpassing. <laughs> for mm-hmm. you know, you know how it is when you play pickup and you're like, you want to make sure people know you're unselfish, you know, and, like, you <laughs> might pass up a couple open shots. And somebody's like, dude, take that. You know, like there was one moment last night where where I think Wojcik passed up, could have been like a little one or two dribble pull up and tried to get it into Armando and he just should have shot it. But mm. yeah, like, you know, I was, I was thinking, Tommy, as you were talking about the 18 assists and yeah, what it would have been the fifth most in a game um, last year, something like that. It's it, those stats from last year absolutely are a symptom of the the way the offense was stagnant. But also, I was thinking about you got to make the shots to get an assist. You know, they just didn't make the shots. They just did not make the shots last year. And this is going to be mean, but I was thinking about it last night, and I don't like to be mean to this guy because I really like this guy. Uh, But Pete Nance, um, super nice guy. My gosh, enjoyed covering him, enjoyed talking to him. Um, He didn't duck questions. But, you know, I was thinking about him as I was driving back uh, to Mebbin last night in the wee hours, and I was like, man, you know, I think Pete Nance just kind of got in the way sometimes last year. And he didn't mean to get in the way. It just didn't work with, like, the two 6'10", 6'11", bigs. Uh, And Pete Nance, I think, wanted to be more of a face-up stretch for to help his game get to the next level. But it just – I just think – I don't know why get in the way kept coming to mind. I just felt like he kind of got in the way. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I think, I think think the construction of this team I, – I, I saw somebody talk about Withers being a role player in the chat. Well, there's a lot of role players, and that's good. I mean, you know, you can't – everyone cannot score 20 points a game. Right. And these guys know that. You know, Cormac Ryan's played for five years. Paxson Wojcik's played for five years. Uh, they know that. You know, they, they know that sometimes you're going to score eight points and get four rebounds and three assists. You know, it just cannot be a 25-point night every night. And, you know, I think that the veteran aspect of these guys, as we've talked about, five captains, five guys who have been captains, the intelligence. I mean, Harrison Ingram's a damn genius. Um, <laughs> I mean, you feel stupid talking to him sometimes. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a smart dude, you know. Uh, riding his bike all around Stanford's campus. Um, you know, I think, you know, like Jeremiah was saying, I, I think that this thing, you know, I know people can be down on Hubert Davis, but I think this thing has been constructed pretty well. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win the national championship. I don't know if they're going to win the ACC, but I think they've got a chance uh, with the different pieces. As long as you keep everybody bought in and, you know, people don't get bitchy about certain things. But, you know, I think there's – I, I think there's a lot to like with these guys. 
I agree there. And, and the interesting thing with the portal, with the ability to recruit as many as you need to these days, Hubert Davis has made it his team in three years. Uh, I mean, you mentioned RJ and Amanda have been there forever, but this is Hubert Davis's team in the image that he wanted it in for the most part. And, and he's got it there. And, and you talked about some days you're going to have to score eight points, have four rebounds and be happy with that. What I don't see this team doing that, they did last year at times is yeah there are going to be some games you score eight points but there can't be games that you score eight points and shoot three for 15 or three for 20 or four for 24 or whatever it was you know they're, they're those are the type of games you lose um, but you can survive guys not scoring a ton of points um, if they're still somewhat efficient jeremiah any final thoughts because i saw in the private chat that we have going here that there's some stories about pickup basketball we're going to have to hear about. But <laughs> talking about real basketball right now, uh, <laughs> anything anything sort of catch your, catch your eye in the first game? North Carolina's got two more relatively, quote-unquote, easy games before it really ramps up. But anything maybe you saw that we're not talking about? Yeah, that's going to be the key for them. Uh, obviously, Lehigh and Riverside – Getting as many guys as in as you can. Um, some of it's going to be the lineup combinations, and some of it's just going to be just playing experience. I mean, James James Aconquo, he got in there for like I think fifty eight seconds, like just at the end of the game, just so everybody can have a chance to play. And I think even that is important. Like you know, maybe it didn't have a direct impact on the outcome of the game, but you just need guys that can touch the floor. And Hubert Davis just needs guys that he can feel like he can trust. Um, you know, in any point of the game. Uh, the lineup's going to tighten up, you know, as the season goes along. Uh, I actually agree with y'all that you know, Paxson Wojcik in the starting lineup uh, is a good thing. I actually made like a little bit of a um, like preseason like depth chart prediction thing for myself. Uh, I actually had Paxson in there. I was off by one. I thought they might try to use, uh, you know, Cormac as a six man or something like that. Uh, so I think I think Withers was like the extra guy I had in there or something like that. But just real quick because the Paxton thing made me think about it. Uh, well, first of all, unrelated, he had a just nasty cut. He needed like 10 st- – I don't think we talked about that yet. He got mm-hmm. elbowed by Baycott in the pregame, and uh, so I guess that's the second straight year that they had a pregame. How does that happen? Injury. How does that happen? Baycott yeah, has I mean, pointy – he has pointy yeah. elbows. Dun- yeah, dummy I mean, offense. They were they, crazy, they, they, yeah. they were dummy offense. Yeah, yeah. Man, it, was, it was insane. But uh, just real quick to wrap it up, um, I remember when I was uh, – uh, we little DTH reporter or whatever during one of the COVID years. It was uh, twenty the twenty twenty one year, and uh, you know we're asking questions on Zoom or whatever. So I got like this is literally the first time I asked uh, Roy Williams a question or whatever. He was for whatever reason at this point of the year he was like changing up lineup. So it was like you know this was after one of the games where they put Caleb Beck in there and they had sat RJ or something, uh, and I think one of the normal starters also had sat. So I remember asking him, you know, just kind of what goes into some of those lineup rotations and things like that. And he said something that, you know, maybe it's coach speak, whatever. But I mean, I just kind of always think about it. You know, when I think about lineups, he was talking about, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who starts games. It matters who closes games. Uh, I think that's something that's going to be a perspective for this UNC team kind of as the season progresses. Um, you know, who are the guys, who are the five guys, and maybe it's more than five, maybe you have six or seven, but who are the main guys that you can trust down the stretch of the game to make some late free throws, get some stops, whatever. Um, you know, so if those guys are, if you have more guys than just that first five, right? Like if Cadeau is the extra guy or Withers is the extra guy, that bodes well for the team because, you know, you really have uh, uh, some extra options um um uh, as far as your as far as your depth i have a uh, hot take to close out the basketball portion of the show here i think we're gonna see armando baycott get 40 at least once this season i know that sounds crazy but he That's got 25 last night it didn't look too hard for him to get 25 i thought he missed a few bunnies as well so perhaps you know he gets going the right night you know, uh, there's a lot more space on the floor now for all the reasons that we've talked about. So I could see it happening. And my stat to go along with that, and maybe a little bit more of a realistic stat, Armando Bay caught five of six at the free throw line. That's something that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on because he's been at UNC now for four seasons. This is his fifth. 
Uh, he's been a pretty consistent free throw shooter through his first four seasons, and he hasn't been an amazing free throw shooter uh, when you look at his percentage. But he went five of six in his first game. He shot pretty well in the exhibition game as well from the free throw line. So that's the stat to keep an eye on. And, you know, the equation to get him to 40, you know, maybe he goes 14 of 18, you know, gets 10 free throws as well, you know, hits a three-pointer. He took one of those at the end of the game <laughs> last night. And, uh, you know, that's, that's my hot take for, for the season. I thought he had nice follow-through on the, the three-pointer. Like, he really snapped the wrist. Um, John, Armando has never scored 30 in a game. That's why it's a hot take. I have to I have to bring the heat at the end of the show here at 9:53 on the East Coast, you know. So I got I got to my hot takes in football went so well picking Minnesota over UNC, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to come back to the table for basketball. I think he he there's too many bunnies left on the table for him to get 40. You know, to your point if he goes like 18 or 16 for 18 or 16 for 19 win game and then make some free throws. That's the what Hansbro would do, right? Hansbro would would make all his foul shots, and that's oh, how yeah. you can get the 40. Live all right. All right. Any other questions here on the chat? Let me look, make sure we didn't miss anything. Uh, Garrett, you just got John's hot take. Um, it'll be interesting. Last night, the bench, you know, like I said, at Slagle, it felt like it was a Roy Williams type early season game. We'll see if it sticks. I think. North Carolina's got the talent to play seven, eight, nine guys consistently. Ten's a big ask, um, but it depends on how they play. X Factor, we talked about that. Um, Y'all say Withers, Harrison Ingram, and all that. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about our sponsor before I get to this segment because I'm most intrigued by this because usually I know what's coming. Um, but Congruity, they're a new sponsor of Inside Carolina Podcast, and they're a national business, but their local presence here in North Carolina, and they are born and bred to take care of your small and mid-sized business needs. They will handle all your payroll and outsourcing while while handling your people while you grow your business. They got top-of-the-line technology, customer service, all the things that are required to be an Inside Carolina sponsor, all the things that are required to be a successful business, and they are out there. CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels, Go there, get your online free assessment. If you're watching this show and you've got this link, they'll set you up with a plan, see if they can help you, see if they can help your small business, and they'll look after you in only the ways that North Carolina-based companies can do. Darren and Matt, they're great at it. CongruityHR.com, front slash Tar Heels. Check them out, fill out the form, and get kick-started on your business and grow that business. Um, and then maybe you grow your business and maybe one day you're a sponsor of Inside Carolina Podcast and we'll talk about you all the time. You know, we, we'll throw you in the JTS congruity mix um, for your local business. Love to have you. Get it done. Check them out. All right. I'm going to turn it over to John Bowman because I want some stories. I, I, want, I want some high-level stories here and I don't want any, the fish I caught was, you know, 10 feet long. I, I want the real deal. Well, uh, Tommy, I, I hope I didn't oversell this because uh, I uh, you, you set me up really strong here. But you know, I, I have a, a scouting report on Jeremiah. I've gotten the opportunity That's to play good. with Adam a little bit. I've never played basketball with Tommy. I played a little bit with Ross as well, but uh, I now have the opportunity to share a scouting report of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an excellent basketball player. Jeremiah is not afraid. <laughs> to take the last shot. The hardest shot in basketball is that yeah. game winner. And Jeremiah it consistently is hitting game winning shots. Excellent guard, uh, you know, has all the skills you need. Great shooter. Uh, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Jeremiah. He can, he can certainly play and uh, on, on the court. All right, Jeremiah. Uh, now you got to talk about John here. John seems like the person yeah. that calls charges in pickup games. <laughs> John does not call charges to pick up games. I don't give a damn. Nah, man, John is uh John also runs that point guard very one but first of all, lefty, you know what I mean? Right. So you know he likes to mix oh, it up. Oh, you're a lefty? Yeah. Yep. He likes to go to the the jersey as well when he plays. So the first time I played with him, he had the KD Nets jersey with the number seven. Mm -hmm. Uh this past week he had the Michael Kidd Gilchrist number 14 oh, jersey. Uh, but yeah, John, uh, you know, good shooter, uh, you know, a good, you know, passer, 
uh, doesn't necessarily, you know, try to do too much with the ball, just kind of, you know, gets it. He's efficient uh, with his touches. So that's a lot of his game. Uh, good defender as well. Uh, so, you know, it's good going out there and mixing it up with him. Um, you know, we have – I think that's a good crowd that runs. I haven't run with that crowd as much. Um, I think I'm, like, kind of a newer addition. I think I've played with y'all, like, three times in that, uh, you know, kind of in that group. But it's a fun group. Like, you know, it's some people in there that, uh, you know, have a variety of different games and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely not, like John said, like, I'm not afraid to, like – kind of wrap the game up or whatever. Like we've been doing all this running back and forth in an untimed game. Like somebody needs to end it. So, you know, why not just <laughs> why not just do it myself if I have a if I have a good look, man. But Tommy, uh, you uh yeah. <laughs> you did say uh, about charging calls. I did actually call foul on myself. I probably am the first person to ever <laughs> call this in a pickup game. I charged myself a foul for impeding the shooting landing zone of another player. Oh, I, uh, I kind of oh, stepped a little bit within his shooting area. He didn't land cleanly and I gave him, gave him the ball back for that. So I think some people heard me make that call out on the court and I think they laughed at me, which I probably deserved. Wow. Hey, so you, you, wa- you walked up underneath the shooter, man. You- it's like the commercial. What is the commercial? Like coach, exactly. I touched it or whatever. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. this, I'm tra- you know, do the right thing or whatever it is. Sportsmanship, pass it on. Yeah, hey, Tommy, we got to get you out there. I, Tommy, look, you I got retired. I retired a long time ago. Once I could not do what I used to be able to do, and then all the young bucks out there try to make a name on the older guys. Um, it used to be fun. There, there's uh, some three on three days, and played with a lot of guys down here that came back after playing in college and all. Made I want to about. Uh, I wonder about Adam. Adam's over here open. John said he played with. You say you play with Adam. I know Adam said his dad was, a, you that's, know, a bucket back in the day. We're about to get Adam in here. So, Adam, <laughs> and that's where I was about to go is Adam. Oh, okay. uh, I, I've heard uh, I've heard a few stories. Um, I don't know how true they are. What, what position? Are you like a 6'2 power forward? I am old. I mean, I am like <laughs> so old. Like, I mean, I, I was thinking earlier when they were talking about the game. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me about John's game was he has a high motor. Like he can run, or at least the, when when I play with John, he keeps running. Yeah, you know, these like, days I'm eating too much raisin cane, so I don't know if I'm getting up and down the. <laughs> is it open yet? Has it opened in Chapel Hill? I think today. Yes. Oh, it is November seventh. Open. I was playing in high school in 1995. Like, I mean, think about this. I'm old as dirt. Um, but anyway, I mean, there's no scouting report on me. I'm bald. I'm old. I can still shoot. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, I'm just old. So, uh, that, that that hasn't left. But, you know, the days of playing, uh, I mean, back in the day, I played against Torrey Holt in high school when he played at Eastern Guilford. That was a lifetime ago, you know. So, um, but, yeah, there's no scouting report over here other than you don't want me in horse. I will say that. I, I don't think you want me in horse. <laughs> and awesome. if we if we got out and ran around, I am a willing passer too. I don't like to let the ball stick. I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna dribble the the air out of the ball. Speaking of which, I was thinking about this earlier. You guys know what happens Friday night? Oh yeah, you're going there. <laughs> How much hell is that kid gonna catch oh, in Cameron Indoor Stadium? The number twelve Arizona wow. Wildcats <laughs> at the number oh, two Duke Blue Devils. The second game of the season for each team. Caleb Love goes back to Cameron Indoor Stadium. I mean, damn. I would like to be there for that. Um, you know, I believe it's I a 7 p.m. tip on ESPN2 if anyone needs it. Uh, man, you know, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I never make appointment uh, basketball to watch Duke and anything. I will be watching that game at 7 o'clock on Friday just to see. I cannot imagine – Caleb Love. If if Caleb Love walks in there and puts down twenty five to thirty, and Arizona somehow wins that game, that dude will forever be the legendary beyond what he already is. It's going to be insane. He will let him know. It is going to be nuts. Absolutely. So I'm making a recommendation: watch Arizona Duke at seven o'clock on Friday night. It's going to be epic over there. Anything left, John? Anything left, Jeremiah? Anybody got anything? I will be Friday. Uh, I'm sorry, John. Also on Friday, I'm just so into the basketball mode right now. I'm I'm sorry. Also on Friday, 
Lehigh, who UNC plays on Sunday, plays Penn State, Huff Johnson and DeMarco Dunn. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, Lehigh is going to play three games uh, in the opening week. They lost at Cornell last night uh, against Cornell. They were at home and they lost Cornell. I don't know much about either team. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Lehigh is going to be on like a short turnaround to play UNC. It's going to be a two games in three nights, three day stretch for the Mountain Hawks. I don't know if that's going to be good for them. I don't think it is. But, you know, when Caleb loves uh, playing in Cameron Indoor Friday night, Lehigh is going to be taking on Penn State before they come to Chapel Hill. So that's something to keep in mind. College basketball season for sure. John, close us out of here. Last thing for me, I'm making my return to the beat this Saturday. I'm covering for our hardworking video intern, Jalen. So I'll be uh, back. I'll see Jeremiah, Adam. Uh, uh, I'll see all you guys at the game on Saturday night. I'll be back on the sidelines where I was during my internship uh, for two years with Inside Carolina. That's awesome. Nice, man. retirement. You can check out, but you can never leave Inside Carolina. And uh, John Bowman, live on sidelines at Duke, North Carolina. And are you doing Lehigh game too? Uh, No, Uh, but I think we're doing the uh, post game for Lehigh, Tommy. So we'll have to chat about that another time. Okay. Well, yep, folks, check out all the content we got going on at Inside Carolina before we get out of here tonight. We've got uh, a special Coast to Coast comes out tomorrow. It was a a rotation was uh, a noon dish, but we're going to divert that to coast to coast because it is basketball season not a ton going on in recruiting also check out the game plan thursday night live with jason greg and myself and then inside carolina live in the bowls lot five to seven in the dark bring your flashlights and your lanterns uh (laughs) and your heaters probably uh we will need it and also post game or the day after sunday morning and then post game lehigh uh, that game's at, what, 2 o'clock on Sunday? So post-game, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Stay tuned for all of Adam and Jeremiah's hard work as they cover the beat. And stay tuned for everything at InsideCarolina.com. Shout-out JTS. Shout-out Congruity. Thanks, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.